Hello and welcome back to Travel Day, episode 14. I am Jackson Van Pelt with Nolan Faber. Got a little bit different show for you guys. Um, we're going to ditch the trivia at the end today, uh, mostly because we don't have anything, we don't have a topic, and as well as we want to get into uh, CFP rankings and the top four that just came out today, and as well as bowls uh, as well. But we will get into that. We'll get into Iowa's uh, loss in the Big Ten Championship a little look ahead and a recap of ISU's season as well as their bowl preview and some transfers, and then we'll get into basketball to round it out. So stay with us for our college football segment up next. We welcome you now to our college football segment, and um, first thing we're going to go over is our final pick'em score. So Nolan, what do you got? We both sucked. <laughs> By the way, I mean this week it was not the last week. We went in on a high note. Rough one. It was really rough. Okay. I'll start with you. You went three and seven. Oh my goodness, dude. Yeah. A lot of upsets. A lot of upsets in championship week. You're right. That's true, I guess. Um, Gosh, so that means, and, I, and I went four and six, so that means Jeez. that I am the 2023 college football pick'ems winner Whatever. for the Travel Day podcast. Day. I tried yeah. to bring it back towards the end of the season and then... Yeah. You got close. You I got close. close yeah. It was... Just not your year. You though, can't I rely say. on the championships. You can't rely on the championship week to get it done. I mean, that's that's no. on me. That's on me. Especially when anything can happen. Exactly. And anything could anything and, happen. And it this did week. happen. So overall, my record was seventy-five and forty-five. You were seventy-two and forty-eight, and I won seven of the eleven weeks. Oof. Okay. Well, something to uh, build off of. It's all right. There's always next year. Is there is always next year? Yeah. Well, we'll just forget about this one. We'll yeah. regroup next year. It's okay. I, I expect my trophy in the mail by next week. Yeah. Get you a little plaque or something. It'd be great. I'll just write on a piece of paper. You can frame it. I might. <laughs> uh, we're going to get into our reactions to the latest rankings, the last rankings, really, of the CFP and the top four. So yeah. let's start with the biggest news. The biggest news, yeah. Um, Alabama. I, say, I predicted that this would happen, by He the did way. say this. We We had a... A lot of discussion on Saturday night, recording this now on Sunday, so last night. Alabama gets in at the number four over Florida State, who is undefeated, by the way, as a Power 5 school. Power 5 champion. Power 5 champion, that's right. And beating a ranked team in that championship, by the way. There's just—I'm trying not to get too, like, riled up about it, because I could go on for days, honestly. But It's it's the wrong decision. It's the wrong decision, and it's an act of cowardice and a little bit of greed on the part of the CFP committee. There's yeah. absolutely no reason that Florida State should not be in. They played an entire season winning every game for absolutely nothing. Yeah, I mean, why do you even play the games at this point if this is how you're going to make it? They are punishing a team because their star quarterback got hurt. Yep. It doesn't make any sense. It's it's physically, physically, I guess is the word, but it just doesn't, it doesn't compute with anybody it feels like in the scene in that's, that, you know, covering the sport a lot that's that's announcing the sport there isn't a whole lot of i mean there's it's probably like 95 to 5 in favor of florida state yeah i in, mean in favoritism i mean and i did that and i'm on that 95 most college football fans disagree with the whole playing out of this playoff and the way that it's been going on ever since it started back in what 2014 yeah i mean the very first year stuff like this was going on when tcu didn't get in over ohio state a two loss ohio state team just because tcu didn't play it conference championship game and this is very similar to that reason you can't punish a team for going 13 and 0 because they lose their star quarterback it just makes zero sense whatsoever i've got some 
interesting statistics for Florida State this year. And because um, a lot of people, I think, feel like that they're a good team, but they don't quite belong in the top four, even though they, again, went undefeated. I'm just going to give you some some scores, some the schedule that they kind of had this year. They're 13-0 in ACC champs, as we mentioned. Okay, They had wins over AP number 5 LSU early in the season. They won that game by 21 points. And that was at a neutral site. At a neutral site. 21 points. They beat number 16 Duke by 18 points. And they, they obviously just beat Louisville this past weekend. Not a great game from them, but again, a win is a win. They won yeah. by 10 points. They found a way to get the job done. Mm-hmm. I just I don't understand how you can... Put an Alabama team that won one great game over Georgia, who didn't play well, but a win's no. a win. I give it to Alabama. They won the game. Yeah. They're, they're SEC champs. They also almost lost to a 6-6 six and six Auburn team who lost to New Mexico State the week, the week before. before. Yeah, There's I mean, absolutely no reason so they should be in. Here's Alabama's resume. This is just off the top of the head. Alabama, like you said, they beat Georgia, right? Neutral yeah. site, conference championship. Mm-hmm. Props to them. Great for them in that that sense, but the week before, they beat a six and six Auburn team, like you said, lost to New Mexico State the week before, on a last second impossible play, fourth and goal from the thirty one. Yes, they sent up a prayer and it was answered. Mm-hmm. And then you got to remember earlier they lost by double digits at home to, to Texas. Texas, who rightfully so is ranked higher than them in here, which is yes. the only good thing. This That's the only has thing done. they got right about this. Absolutely, they also. I believe it was, I can't remember the exact score, but I think they beat USF early in the season by 10. Yeah, they sneaked out of there, too. It's, it was, it's it was unbelievable close. that they're putting Alabama on this pedestal. And it's SEC bias at its finest. And we see it almost every year. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the part of the reason I thought Georgia was going to sneak in there, too, with them. Yeah, I thought Georgia I thought Georgia had a legit shot of sneaking in over Texas. And it's I thought just, that could have been a real possibility. It's unbelievable. And you can say, oh, it's an entertainment business, you know, and... You know, they're trying to make money off an SEC team being in there. I don't care. These kids put their bodies and their time on the line every single week. They go 13-0. and 0. There's absolutely no room for Alabama in this top four. Florida State, you can no. put them at the four. I'm okay with putting them at the four. Yeah. I'm not saying they're better than Michigan. They're better than Washington. No, but they deserved a spot. They have earned that spot. Whether they, you think they deserve it or not, based off of their skill set, what you see on TV or live, in person, whatever, they've earned it. I don't care if they're the worst team on the field, but if they go 13-0, and they have rightfully earned that spot. Mm-hmm. Week in and week out, they they battled. And they and it's not like, again, we just mentioned, it's not like they squeaked out wins. No. They blew out some really good teams, a very yeah. good LSU team Yes, by 21. With a potential, the favorite to win Heisman to a quarterback for LSU. Yeah, in Daniels, exactly. Yeah. And again, it just seems like they're punishing a team for an injury that obviously they have no control over. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that was a terrible injury for them. But you've got you've got Jordan Travis on Twitter. He literally said on Twitter, he's like, I wish I would have broken my leg a few weeks earlier so this team could show you what they can do without me mm-hmm. and how it's not just a quarterback yeah. position. There is no reason a student athlete should be saying that ever. No. And this is going to go, this is going to lead to, I think, I saw, I saw this on Twitter as well. This, this person said, this could be a sense to where coaches are now going to lie about players' injuries. They're yeah. going to start saying, oh, this dude will be back in time for the postseason. So they can get into that playoff scenario. It's and just, then when it comes around, oh, no, never mind. He re- he hurt it again. He's not going to be able to play. It's just they're creating a culture that is – it's supposed to be – it's going to be lied in deceit. It's going to be It's going to be a foundation of deceit from like what you just said about the coaches. And it's just favoritism and bias, and it's just 
It's super, yeah. super annoying. This also goes back to what the committee has been saying, too. They've been saying this new committee this year has been saying they're going to put the four best teams in. Why haven't they been doing that the years before? They've you been can't. doing the most deserving teams exactly. at that point. It's they have to an... set it early on. When it... they first started in 2014, they should have said the committee is going to vote based on the four best teams or the four most deserving teams. In my mind, it should be the most four deserving teams because they earned more to get there. Just because you're the best team doesn't mean you deserve to be there. The best, the, the term best team is such an abstract concept that we are leaving up to the discretion of all of these yes. old, old dudes in a committee mm-hmm. that have been out of the game for so long the game's almost completely changed. Yeah. And you can say that about a lot of sports, you really could. Yeah. But especially in this sense, when you've got athletes that aren't doing this for a profit necessarily, now NIL, you can argue, whatever, but they're not doing it as a job. Like, you are taking away possible, in, I mean, income down the line, but also just mm-hmm. possible games, games with their teammates, with their friends, yeah. because, and, and then that atmosphere, because you want, I don't know, better TV ratings, you have a bias for SEC because Alabama's been better for longer, whatever it is, and you're taking away from this Florida State team who, again, would they have competed against against the number one Michigan? I don't no. know. They w- no, they probably would not, not have had a shot. Without Jordan Travis, probably not. It would have been very, very similar to what to the Big Ten Championship, I think. Florida State's defense is a, is better than Iowa's this year. Yeah. So I think it would have been a little closer game. But they, again, earned that, that game. They earned that spot. If they get blown out, they get blown out. But they earned to get blown out. And that, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, that is the bottom line. The committee completely missed yeah. the mark here. Mm-hmm. And going back to the, the four best or the four most deserving – if they would have said from day one that every year they will vote on the four best teams, this would not be that much of a conversation. Exactly. Because Florida State is not one of the four best teams. But they've shown in years past that they are willing to put in the most deserving teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw that with Cincinnati. Did they deserve to be in there? Yes. Were they the best team, one of the four best? No, not by a long shot. So it's almost like now with the 12 team, it's going to be a lot easier. More teams are going to get in. But we're going to get the same arguments with the – with the 11 and 12 teams. The committee is going to still suck at their job. It's just going to be less obvious. Yes. That's what I said earlier today because they still, they're still they going to suck at their job no matter how many teams are in there. It's just going to be a lot less pressing because it's not the top four teams in the nation. Yeah. So They have more room for air now going into next year. Exactly. We're just going to cut it off right there because I like – anyway, not, not very happy with the committee as many people are. So – I hope Bama gets blown out by Michigan, and I hope Michigan gets blown out by whoever they play in the championship, to be quite honest. Cause I, I, Michigan, I don't have as big of a problem with Michigan, but Alabama is just, I, I can't stand yeah. them. So in, in my mind, I think the winner of the Washington-Texas game will have the best chance to win a national championship. Ooh, I don't know, man. Michigan's going to be tough. I hope Michigan yeah. beats Alabama again, but mm-hmm. and but the problem with that is they do beat Alabama. They're in that championship game. They're a tough team to beat. Mm-hmm. So they didn't have very great reactions I saw on Twitter to playing Alabama. It was kind of weird. They were like watching the selection show in the hotel room. I think they were hotel. more of fans at that point and that they were surprised Florida State didn't get in. I think you're right. Not the point. Point is, Florida State got kind of screwed over. I mean, like we said, Alabama doesn't really des- – I don't think Alabama deserves to be there. Yeah, and if you're going off the best four teams as well – or the best teams in general, why is Florida State ahead of Georgia? Also true. Right. The rankings, yeah, they had Florida State at five and I Georgia. Mean, if, if you're going off six, the best teams, seven. Florida State is not a top six. ten team without yep. Jordan Travis. Exactly. We're going to move on, so stay with us for Iowa's recap up next.
All right, welcome back to Travel Day. This is our Iowa recap. I'm going to keep this nice and short because there's not a whole lot to talk about. Iowa putting up zero points in a 26-0 to loss to Michigan. For the second time this year, they've been shut out. And both were against the top ra- 10 the ranked The two ranked teams that they played, they got shut out. That is correct. I can't say that I'm surprised. I really can't. I was hoping we would score, but I can't say that I'm surprised. Hey, you did you did beat my prediction, though. I said they weren't probably going to cross the 50, and they did it, I think, twice. I know, and I texted you during the game. I'm like, they should just give us at least one or two points for every first down we get because we weren't going to get a lot of those. I no, mean, actually, you would, probably would have lost 26 to 3. Yeah, yeah, 3 or 4. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I just got a couple notes here. We're going to get right through it because, again, not a lot to talk about. Brian Ference showed us why he's he's out the door. Didn't open the playbook in a game that they had nothing to lose in. I think everybody was shocked. I'm, running the I was same, shocked. Yeah, running the same stuff over and over like you're in a 10-7 game rather than getting beat by three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. The special teams continues to be atrocious. Um, I'm not sure what's been going on the last few weeks. It's Cooper DeGene. Uh, I can't put it all in Cooper, though. I no, really can't. You can be. you can because he's the gunner on punts. He's the one that always downs the ball at the two-yard line for Torrey Taylor's punts. He's the one that returns the punts. Right? Yeah. And your punt return hasn't been good since he's been there. A lot more touchbacks, I think, for Tor- for Taylor since DeGene's been out. So I think Cooper DeGene on special teams is the biggest factor for that group. Nolan, of course, referring to the, I believe it was 87-yard return, something like that. Got him down to the 4- or 5-yard line for Michigan. Mm-hmm. Hell, hell of a play, though, by the eye no, of the yeah, uh, he, he missed the tackle on the right. front end, but he was able to recover and stop him before he eventually can't, ended up scoring. Can't remember his name right now, but yeah, uh, lots of praise for him on, on the national stage. Uh Lots of Twitter posts and things like that. But one thing that you can't give to Cooper DeGene here uh, because of the special teams is two two block in the backs. Well, the name is what of that guy? That Keon Entringer. Okay, cool. So Keon showed hustle. Love that. But back to what I was saying. Cooper DeGene can't be blamed for two block in the backs on pretty decent returns by Weijin. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, side note, I think Weijin's going to be a great return man when Cooper DeGene is gone. The more experience he gets, the better he's going to be. He's Felix like he so was, fast. He was he was a lot more comfortable. I agree. These past few weeks with punt return than when he was put in there. Mm-hmm. He's so so fast, and so I think he's going to be really fun to watch. But again, special teams has to clean it up. There's just no excuse for that. We get into I'll get into the defense first because they they played their hearts out. The defense played like they were playing for a Big Ten championship. The defense belonged on the field. The offense belonged on the sidelines. And I put that in a tweet. Follow our Twitter slash X. If you do not, it's at Travel Day Pod. That's Travel Day Podcast as the name. But anyway, defense, they had sacks. They got into the backfield. They looked they looked mm-hmm. phenomenal. The only time Michigan scored touchdowns is when special teams or our offense gave it to them in the red zone mm-hmm. via fumble or punt return. I, I would think the only negative for the defense was the drop picks. I, can, I would agree. I can think of maybe two or three drop picks yep. that would have gave them good field position to hopefully go down and maybe score a field goal i mean it was right there. i don't remember the exact player or the pass but it was right in i, I can't there, there was a seam route for a tight end and he drastically underthrew him yeah and and right in his right in his numbers almost yeah. in his face and it was yeah anyway moving on to the offense like i said atrocious play calling and not great execution um it was the hawkeye of old for sure this, they were this just game. being conservative for absolutely no reason there was no reason to be conservative there's no shots downfield there was Obviously, Deacon Hill didn't have a good game. Didn't pass the ball well at all. No, um, but it's what you would expect it from him. Correct. Anyways. You guys didn't run the ball at all either. Nope. And, I mean, we got Caleb Brown involved, which is great. He's going to be, I mean, as the, as the next OC coming in, you have to build your playbook around him. As uh, Hopefully he stays. Obviously he doesn't transfer anything like that. I wouldn't 
necessarily build it around him. I would still build it around your tight ends because your tight end room. You're I mean, right. You have a lot of future there with Estrenga. I agree. Estrenga has shined when Lachey and all have been gone for sure. But I think in order to keep Caleb Brown around, you have to kind of mention that to him, I think. Yeah. Um, You'll build it around those two, but I would right. put a main focus on your tight ends because that's what's – those are the guys you put in the NFL on offense, and those are the guys that give you the success that you need on offense. So we mentioned a lot of turnovers uh, for the Hawkeyes, fumbles galore. Um, one of those fumbles, Hawkeyes get kind of very questionable, screwed again by the replay officials. I don't know what it is about Iowa and the replay system this year, but you got that in the Minnesota game. It's just it's horrible. Uh, to me, the arm was clearly coming forward. They called it a fumble, and then after that, they call it a called a recovery, basically. Even yeah. though the referee was blowing his whistle and signaling incomplete pass with the ball still on the ground, so obviously no it one's is in go the rule book though, to where they can. Right, they and, have to go. If right. it's a fumble, if they call it incomplete and there is a, end up being a fumble, they have to go and look at the continuation. Right, and I believe Blandino said that on the, the broadcast. on the broadcast. However, he did mention that that the, that, or that he did believe that the arm was coming forward. Mm-hmm. I don't really. I mean, that's really all I got. I mean, if we had a top one hundred offense, we have a very real possibility to win mm-hmm. this game and potentially. If you had just a slightly more aggressive, I think offense. I, the talent's got to be there too, but I mean, yes. I think OC, the talent's there. OC's the biggest. Thing. I think you guys have the talent on offense. I just don't think you have an with, aggressive with enough McNamara play caller. in the backfield. Yes, yes, yes. I just don't think you have an aggressive enough play caller. I would agree. So that's pretty much all I've got on that game overall. Ten and three season, going to be eleven and three or ten and four um, after the bowl game, and that bowl game is a cheese at Citrus Bowl against Tennessee on New Year's Day. So looking forward to that one for sure. Not really sure what to expect in that game, but uh, it'll we'll be a find pretty out. good game. I think. I, I think it. I think it'll be fun. Very so, similar quarterback play. Yeah, for both teams. Yep. So we'll see. Might both be QBs a, got big arms and don't know where it's going. Yep. So we'll see what happens then. But uh, that's all I've got for that one. So stick with us as we've got Iowa State's football recap up next. And welcome back to. ISU's recap of their football season. Nolan, what do you got? So Iowa State's finished the year seven and five, potential to end the year eight and five with playing Memphis in the Liberty Bowl again. And I'm pissed about that. <laughs> okay, give us. I'm not mad about playing Memphis. I am and why not? Just it's just the you fact that it's the location. It's the location. The yeah. Liberty Bowl takes place in Memphis. Yep. For those that don't know, and it was 2017. Iowa State was there last. Guess who they played then? Memphis. They played Memphis. Mm-hmm. Give us any other team but Memphis. Why does Memphis always need to play their bowl game at home? Yeah. It's just another home game for them at that point. Exactly. I get these sponsors. They get to choose who they want, and it makes a lot of sense to take the hometown team. But, I mean, it would be just more fun to see different teams in different bowl games, I think. I would agree. Home field advantage at the end of the day. I mean, yeah. Do I think it's really going to matter? I mean, no, not especially really. after it's, this it's year. A, it's a meaningless bowl. I mean, at the end of the day, it, it's meaningless to an extent, but it's still one of the. It's, it's a pride it, thing. It's a anything. it's a pride thing, and the Liberty Bowl is also a top, in my mind, a top tier middle of the pack bowl game. Yeah, I'd agree. But I mean, just to the fact that we're talking about Iowa State in the bowl game, it's just what, nuts did, to didn't me. see that coming. Ask me that week three, I'd be like, nope, absolutely not. They're not going mm-hmm. anywhere. And props to this coaching staff, man. I mean, they went through the first three weeks trying what they thought would be best for that team to win, and it didn't work out. 
and thank God they didn't pull in Iowa and just stay with the yep, same they thing. they made an adjustment. They made an adjustment, and it ended up working. Week four, the air raid comes to town and names Iowa. <laughs> Beating Oklahoma State by mostly just passing the ball. And with them finally putting trust in Rocco, man, he is going to be good. He's going to be very good. I think the future is very bright for this Cyclone program. Mm-hmm. The biggest news from this year was the running back room, I think. It wasn't as good as you thought it'd be, especially towards the end of the year when you could really see the strides that the offensive line was taking. That goes into the decision as well as to why Norton and Sanders are transferring because Sama, I think, was given the starting nod before that Kansas State game. 100%. And they they were like, no, we're jumping ship. 100%. And you know what? I can say thanks to those guys all they want, but also screw those guys because they don't want to be a part of this. (laughs) Yeah, I'd agree. I mean – and Campbell did the right thing of not taking them on that trip to Kansas State because if you guys are going to transfer anyways... You're not on the team. Why are you, Why should I even bring you? Exactly. Not on the team anymore in my eyes. Yeah, you're not. But, I mean, the MVP of the year was obviously Rocco Beck. Mm-hmm. I mean, just putting the team on his back once conference play started, pulled his team out of the six-foot grave they were dug in deep to <laughs> to start the year. I mean, this is a team that you can be generally proud of and probably a team that you can talk to your kids and grandkids about i think yeah i mean just with so, with so much like not necessarily on accolades but on the fact that they, the resiliency i would say yes factor. and just the fact of of how tight-knit the culture matt campbell has been built at iowa state mm-hmm. i mean it's just the things that they're doing you would also think too year eight with matt campbell they shouldn't be having these bounce back years and with this team yeah. right here i think this sets a standard of now, Iowa State fans, I th- I think, can now start to expect seven to eight wins a year from now on. I think that you, Especially with this new yeah. Big 12. I think it'll be more consistency, for sure. You're not going to have Oklahoma, you're not going to have Texas. You want to play one of them every year, both of them every year. I guess no. you have to play both of them. Obviously, some tough some tough teams coming into the Big 12, no I doubt. Mean, Utah, they're going to be the top the top team to yep. coming in. Yep. Arizona's a, a hit-or-miss team right with, now. on which year you get them with. Mm-hmm. But, I mean... And then Colorado coming in too, but who knows if Dion's going to be there when Iowa State plays them in like four years or whatever. They're a complete question mark right now. Yeah, so there's a lot of promise with this Iowa State team, and I think if you go and look at next year's schedule, I think that is a legit chance to where Iowa State has can get their first 10-win season. Mm-hmm. They yeah. got they got really lucky with the teams they got to play at home, and the, the road teams are playing are not – they're more of the middle to the lower pack of the Big 12. Yeah. All right, well, stay with us as our basketball segment is coming up next. And welcome back to our basketball segment. We'll start with Iowa. We'll start with men's. Only one game for the men uh, and the women, actually, for Iowa since our last episode. Men get the job done against a North Florida team who is far inferior to them. They Uh, did what they needed to do. Right, 103-78 to victory. It's what you expect, what you want to see. Uh, Cricky with 21 points, uh, just two rebounds, but uh, 11 of 11 from the line, uh, the charity stripe, if you will. McCaffrey with 16 of his own, Peyton Stanford with 10, Bowen with 9, which is interesting to see, and Tony Perkins with 21. And um, an emotional game for him. He had just lost his grandmother that week, and so it was really, really good to see him ball out for sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, odds for this game, wasn't able to watch it. Not a whole lot to, to say, really. I mean, they, they took care of business. Um, biggest thing is they've got Purdue tomorrow, um, and that's going to be an exceptionally hard game um, given that the Purdue just lost to Northwestern, and they are at Purdue. 
So it's a tough week for Iowa this week. It Very will tough. be. It will be two a, road games. Yep. Purdue, and then you got the in-state rivalry with mm-hmm. Iowa State on mm-hmm. Thursday. Yeah, tough week for Iowa. It'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, like I said, I mean, we I didn't have super high expectations for that Creighton game, and they played pretty well. So I mean, maybe they. But also too, I think that's the best Iowa could have played in that game. I agree. I agree. And also, Creighton's put up ninety-two points against the probably the best team that Iowa can put out there. Also true. Again, defense not our specialty, but if we've scored the ball the ball well, why not have a shot? We'll see. We'll see what happens. But I mean, if they keep it close, I'll be happy. Like I said, and then I think that'll be a really good test before you play Iowa State later that week. Moving on to women's, women's again with one game, uh, beating Bowling Green, ninety nine to sixty five. Goodman with twelve, Molly Davis with five, Caitlin Clark with twenty four, Marshall with six, and Martin with seventeen. Three blocks for Martin though, which is pretty cool to see. A lot of turnovers from the starters, which is kind of concerning. Uh, 12 total, and uh, Goodman and Clark each having four uh, as your top. And then uh, Clark only two for 11 from beyond the arc, which is also not fantastic. She has struggled really. She has struggled mightily yeah, this year from the three-point line. Early season struggles from the three-point range, but um, we hope that she gets that cleaned up. Iowa's next game is against Iowa State, and that is the sixth, which I believe is Wednesday. So yep, that'd be Wednesday. That'll be a uh, that'll be another win for you. Probably guys. a slaughter. I hope. Not, I would expect nothing less. Yeah. So, but it'll it'll be a nice precursor for, before the men's game on Thursday. So, mm-hmm. uh, Iowa, both Iowa teams getting it done. Um, you got. I want to also mention on the women's side that uh, a Folter with 14 points off the bench and O'Grady with 10 as well. So it's good to see that Caitlin Clark. I think since that that uh, Kansas State game, she mm-hmm. the first one. Yeah. She hasn't been. You're starting to see more help from right. the teammates. It's, it's more complimentary basketball. It's not just Caitlin Clark trying to do everything, put the team on her back. It's not a one-woman band. Exactly. Exactly. The, not only are the other starters getting involved, but the, um, the bench, bench is getting involved. Yeah. Exactly. So really good to see there. Um, I think that they're on the up and up. I think that they're trending up as hard as that is to do with you know the number four team in the nation. So uh, should take care of Iowa State later this week. I, I love an in-state rivalry, so we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. And stay with us as Iowa State basketball is up next. And welcome back to Cyclone Basketball. Nolan, what are we starting with? Uh, I'll start with the men's. All uh, right. They only had one game this past week. That was at DePaul in the Big 12 Big East Showdown. Mm-hmm. Not a good DePaul team. No, and you can say this is a good bounce back after losing those two games at Florida. but Good rebound, maybe. Yeah. Is it? Is it really, though? Like I'm happy that they won, but I'm not also like I'm not happy with how they won, too, at that point. 18-point um, victory, right? Yeah, 18, but... Okay. They beat, uh, they, 19, beat the they beat the Paul. They beat the Paul, ninety-nine to eighty. is the concerning part. Very concerning. I would agree, especially with the way that T.J. Altsberger prides his team on defense. And I didn't think we would realize how big Gabe Kalsher was to those Iowa State teams. And now we're starting to see why, because of his perimeter defense and the perimeter threat that he was on defense. Yeah, the perimeter defense for this Iowa State team is drastically worse. They're giving up way too many threes. I mean, and to credit to the teams, too, they're making those threes, in which is— I, A lot I, easier when they're open, though. Yeah, and I absolutely hate that, too. I mean, it always seems like the like teams Iowa State plays, there's always one guy that just, <laughs> just seems to make four or five threes in that game. <laughs> and this is a true example of that, too, because DePaul's leading scorer, Odin, had 25 points, was 6-7 from three. Mm-hmm. He had eight going into that game. 
eight threes. Oh he made six. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. And then like you can go back to like when they played Virginia Tech that second game. The two guys for Virginia Tech made eleven threes combined. They go on to play in the championship game. They make nothing. Yeah. Like their next two games, they combine for two threes combined. Mm-hmm. Just unlucky at that point. But I mean, a lot of promise. Uh, Trey King was leading scorer with 24, 10 of 15 from the field. This is exactly what you want to see from him, him being dominant in the paint. Really haven't been able to see that with him this year. Mm-hmm. I just think, I just don't know if it's the lack of opportunities or him just not trusting himself, but he looked like the form that we expected from him this year. Keyshawn Gilbert with 21. I mean, what you want out of him in that I guess in that case 8 of 14 from the field 2 of 5 from 3 that is really good to see he's been struggling so far this year the big one out of this is Tamian Lipsy with the triple double hmm. 15 points 10 assists 10 rebounds he had four steals as well with 6 of 10 from the field Milan Mancilovic had 10 made two threes as well Jackson Pavleski off the bench with 11 4 of 7 from the field he is going to be a star for this Iowa State team off the bench I think okay. he is going to be I think what Rob Jones was supposed to be with Big Rob Energy, yeah, come in. He's gonna be the guy that's gonna he's gonna talk a lot of smack. <laughs> okay, he's gonna be that energy guy. He's gonna bring a lot of fire off the bench. Uh-huh. And you can just tell him the way he plays. The dude plays really hard. Yeah, and he's gonna be a fan favorite by the time I think conference play comes around, uh-huh. and a really fan favorite as the year starts to wind down. Yeah, I think Iowa, but I think as an Iowa fan, the biggest thing that Iowa's gonna have to shut down on Thursday is definitely. Taman Lipsy. I think Taman has been your best all around player. Yeah, you know, Taman is our best player by far this year. So I think if they shut that down and they can shoot the three ball well, they'll yes. be okay. And problem I, lies I in the fact that I'm scared of their shooting right now. Iowa shooting? Or a Iowa little States? bit. Iowa's. Iowa's. And their defense, yeah. obviously. Yeah, and but the defense. I think Iowa's key to beating Iowa State is the fact that they can stop Iowa State from getting to the hoop at will. Because mm-hmm. Tamian, Keyshawn are both guys that like to get to the paint, don't like to shoot a lot of threes. Mm-hmm. They'll shoot them when they're open. Right. They like to get to the paint and get to the foul line. Mm-hmm. So I think if Iowa can stop those guys from driving and dishing to where that's when the offense is really consistent, I think they'll have a better chance. And if they can minimize live ball turnovers. Because that's where Iowa State gets a lot of their points is on live ball turnovers. You can look, go look back at games of two games where they might have turned the ball other team over 20 times, mm-hmm. but they win one of those games and lose the other one because you look at the one they won – Maybe 12 of them were live ball, and yeah. they scored on maybe eight of those. Mm-hmm. But then you go and look at the game they lost, and maybe 12 of those were dead balls. So yeah. The other team had time yeah, to set up their defense. Makes sense, yeah. yeah. It'll be a good game for sure. I think it's a tale of two defenses, and mm-hmm. um, who's going to be the worst defense? I think that's who's going who's gonna to lose, to be honest. Yeah. Going over to the women's side now, they had two games this past week. Their first game was they played St. Thomas in Minnesota, beat them 85-44, to Kelsey Jones was the leading scorer with 17. She was 3 of 4 from the three-point line, 6 of 8 from the field. Adi Cooks and Naimir Du both with 12. Bristow off the bench with 10 and 5 rebounds, which is good to see, especially as another post threat for them. But still, a lot of turnovers coming from guards, and that's guards, I guess, post players as well, which is very concerning. Because, like I said earlier, the way for Iowa State to be good this year is the to play through their post, mm-hmm. and if their posts are turning it over, it's just not a good sign. Putting the ball down, probably. Mm-hmm. Then today, they played UNC Wilmington, beat them 85-58. to Addie Brown with 24 was the leading scorer for Iowa State. 
that is nice to see. Getting her going is really important. She's going to be relied on a lot to be the one to take the most shots. Yeah. Um, she was 4 of 5 from 3, 9 of 14 from the field. Adi Cooks was 16, 6 of 11 from the field. And then Bristow with 13 off the bench again, which is really nice to see having that consistent bench player that's willing to go out there and score the ball for you. Again, just a lot of turnovers, mostly coming from Maddie Brown. I think she's been relied on to be that primary ball handler. She had six turnovers, but she did have 10 assists. So it's kind of pick your poison at this say, point. even out, maybe. Yeah. They got Iowa on Wednesday. That's going to be a really tough challenge for them. It's a good test to see where they're at going into conference play within the few weeks after that. I'm not expecting an upset here. Yeah, neither am I, which is fine with me. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us here on Travel Day, episode 14. Again, trivia, just quite frankly, don't have any topics, and uh, we wanted to keep it at a nice, reasonable episode length. If you guys have suggestions on trivia topics, do let us know on Twitter or commenting on our SoundCloud profile. But either way, we thank you guys so much for listening to episode 14. I am Jackson Mampelt here with Nolan Faber. Goodbye.